watching him make fun of Craig Wright is really just the best. So speaking of Craig Wright, I, we just <laughs> yeah, talked about this I on mean, the flagship. I fully endorse Vitalik shit talking. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hello and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast Roundtable. We are doing another one of our roundtable episodes where we do a little bit more of a free-flowing conversation with important members of the community. And today, we've got the U.S. Director of the Ethereum Classic Cooperative, Anthony Lusardi, on the show again. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, he's at PyScale. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Okay. Pyscal. Pyscal. Python and Haskell. Oh, that's a. <laughs> I get it. Bad at one of those languages. Excellent. Okay, so okay at, at the other Pyscal on Twitter, P U I S K E L L. If you want to check him out, I most of my Twitter interactions are probably because of something that he said, anyways, when I'm running the Crypto Basic Twitter. <laughs> so. Uh, that always has some interesting stuff to say. So for the topic today, we're going to end up talking about immutability and censorship resistance later on in the episode. We did ask mm -hmm. the members of the community if they had any questions for you first. So considering you are part of the Ethereum Classic Cooperative, that was where they wanted what they wanted to hear about um, er earlier in the chat. The, the first question we had came from a user named Anthony. And he said, <laughs> is he always that handsome or do you do post-processing on the video? So I know we don't do any post-processing. You probably don't do any post-processing. I do tons of post-processing. Oh. All post-processing. There's people that have post-processors. Okay. Yeah, it's just attached to my, my camera. It, it makes everything look better. I need to get one of those <laughs> and make myself look that handsome also. All right. So actual question, actual question from somebody. Um, obviously, you didn't tell us anything about the Coinbase thing on the, on the last time we were on here. Uh, but uh, Ethereum Classic has been added to Coinbase and the user PMC Dougal 9 or 91 asked, has adding or has getting added to Coinbase changed the Ethereum Classic roadmap much? More money means faster adoption? Question mark. So it's pretty open ended. Uh, yeah, very open ended. So it's a great question. And I think last time we weren't even announced yet for Coinbase or definitely would have been a part of the topic. Yeah, I expected insider uh, information to Kareem there, but we didn't get it. <laughs> I would have loved to have some insider information, but I can guarantee you I had none. And I went home that Monday or Tuesday night thinking I was going to relax and watch TV. And then all of a sudden I see Coinbase is listing ETC. So, <laughs> and there goes that. Uh, that was my first. Note. There, the there's a good chance. Now, Kareem is really upset right now because he, he is not happy that Brett requested insider information. He is freaking out wherever he is. His palms are sweating because he doesn't like what's going on here. So, no, we do not support that in any way. No, me neither. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there's a good chance that you two knew Coinbase was listing ETC before me because I found out about an hour or two after and my initial reaction was, why are people pumping this rumor again? Yeah. <laughs> but going going back to uh, Coinbase, adding it and that meaning more money. 
For a lot of projects, that's exactly what it would mean. A lot of projects have well over 50% of their tokens held by either the core development team or a core group of people very closely associated with them. For ETC, we do not have that. We develop our project, we work on it, and we find funding sources outside of the token. So as far as cash infusion to ETC itself, yeah, you know, money helps, of course, but it's not the sole thing that drives development. Uh, With a few million dollars, you can probably develop a very solid blockchain. Uh, And you probably don't don't need much more than that. You definitely don't need the amount of money that is currently being raised through ICOs and all that fun stuff. Uh, What it (laughs) does give us for faster adoption, though, is exposure to a lot more users. Uh, We get just a lot more interest from people who are very new to cryptocurrency. And I think that's great, particularly for ETC, because a lot of people within the crypto community themselves have already formed their opinion based on what ETC looked like in 2016 and haven't really looked at it much in, in 2018. So, yeah, I think having Coinbase at ETC definitely improves adoption, but not in the way that it's injecting additional money into development or marketing or any of that stuff, which is fine. Uh, Our teams are more than well-funded, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. You mentioned something in there that's super interesting, and we're always like talking about don't keep your money on exchanges, but when we recommend to new users what to do, like if you're brand new to crypto, how do you get this started? We say Coinbase. And because it's safer for somebody who doesn't have the knowledge to go out and start moving their coins around to use Coinbase anything else. And now your 20% of the total coins available are Ethereum Classic. So that is 100% going to get a lot more eyes to look at it. Are they going to be eyes that are going to make an educated decision? No, but they may just see that, hey, wait, this is Ethereum. This says Ethereum. This costs less. I'm going to buy this one. Or... Or maybe they learn more about what's going on with the project, which is which is awesome. So, I uh, yeah, I'm really hoping they l- learn more. I am so sick of seeing people buy things just because they're cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we had a hopefully <clears throat> back during like yeah, you know Mega sorry. Moon time. We were making jokes that like if we went down Coin Market Cap and just found the coins that were under. The, the under the one dollar mark we were like oh that's the next one to moon and what's it kept happening i was so mad that yeah. it was like that was the correct <laughs> metric to decide where the price was going is just like what is the level one thinker going to think when they scroll down coin market cap but th- that's the mission education is the most important thing in this space right now i think yeah absolutely and yeah you could buy those coins where they're far less than a dollar but then Good luck selling them once they go up above a dollar because there's normally a couple people involved in actually pumping and dumping these things. So there's the scammers aren't going to buy that coin back from you for a dollar after you bought it from them for a penny. They're going to sell it to you for a penny and leave. And then there's not going to be any buyers. And we're absolutely seeing that happen now. But yeah, back to ETC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's totally unfortunate. I caught the dig that you threw at EOS on there. I'm not, I'm not gonna make you say that it was a dig at EOS, but I, I heard, 
you know, you only need a couple million, not a couple billion. So <laughs> I wasn't intentionally digging at EOS, but my thoughts and opinions on EOS are very well documented on my Twitter account. So <laughs> I do not like EOS. I feel like I may have may have been involved in retweeting some of those. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I actually thought he was referring to EOS as well. All right. So um, the other the other question that same user had, I was kind of not really sure that I wanted to add this one, but since they there were only a couple of questions because I was stupid and didn't post put your questions in there until like an hour before you actually showed up on the show. Uh, I said he said um, any thoughts if the ETH and ETC slump as of this past month might be due to ICOs trying to cash out their positions to secure their funding. So like that's a price question. I figure you might. I don't know if you want to tackle that or if you had any thoughts on that. I would. I figured I would just ask. Yeah, you, I mean, edit it out. I don't do active trading. I don't. I'm probably not the best qualified to answer that question. But as far as what I would think at first blush, yeah, sure. I mean, these ICOs need actual money. I've personally used cryptocurrency to buy maybe ten or so things this year, uh, but they're fairly small things and there's not many things you can actually buy crypto with so yeah when these icos raise major amounts of funds and they want to actually do stuff they absolutely need to cash out so i wouldn't be surprised if they were yeah that i've i've definitely felt like that has to have had some effect on the price as far as like downward pressure and going up and going down it drove the price up too so it's I don't know if that's like break even. I don't know. I don't know if it works that way, but there's really there, there just isn't enough information to tell. And I think that um, P McDougal 91 try to focus on the tech rather than the prices and and just look at projects and decide whether they're good. And then uh, and then I don't know, buy the dips when you can, I guess. I don't know. I ran out of money to buy dips a while ago, so <laughs> <laughs> I bought too many dips. <laughs> All right, so that's that was it for the quick user questions that were submitted. So the main reason we we had you come on is you mentioned that you were uh, you were moderating a panel on immutability and censorship, or maybe not moderating, but you were doing a panel on immutability and censorship I'm resistance. Oh, you were moderating it. Okay. Uh, oh, you haven't even done it yet. That was yeah. Okay, so that was September thirteenth. No, I haven't done it yet. That you're going oh. to be doing that. Okay, so it's going to be at the ETC summit on September thirteenth. So first, I guess, give us some information about that summit. Can the public attend? Is it uh, is it open to everybody? Or no, can Burn get tickets? It's private and no. closed doors. We're gonna have our secret meetings there. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's entirely open. Unfortunately, it is sold out. Uh, if either of you two actually wanted to go, I could maybe finagle a ticket. Uh, I, I doubt it. I don't even know where it is. Hotel though. It's in Seoul, uh, Korea. Oh, <laughs> or Seoul. <laughs> I don't know if it's I can make it fun. there in time. Are you? It's when are you leaving? Is it tomorrow? <laughs> Let me check my calendar. <laughs> it's a long and expensive flight on such short notice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's going to be for two days. We've given away the tickets for free to include as many people as possible. Originally, we had it. Originally, we wanted to give it away for free. Uh, and tried to charge about $100 for it, thinking that that would incentivize people to actually go rather than just giving them a free ticket and then they have no uh, 
no incentive because people do that. They sign up and then that's it. Uh, but then we found that, you know, there was, there's a very common thing, especially in the more, uh, Asia based block blockchain conferences in that a lot of them right now exist solely to shill ICOs. Uh, not all of them. So I'm sure <laughs> there's some legitimate ones and I don't want to upset you. But a lot of them do, so they would give away free tickets, and everybody got used to that. We're not shilling any a single ICO during any of our talks. We're talking about tech, we're talking about the finances of it, and we're talking about the community and working together more. And But yeah, so that's my little pitch on ETC Summit. I'm really hoping people attend. That probably wasn't my best prepared pitch, but... Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, we're going to have a live stream too, and it'll be two days on the first day. It's very much about development and the current progress of ETC. Oftentimes, when we're trying to communicate these things, they get lost in a shuffle, and there's quite a lot of people who will yell and do just make unsubstantiated attacks to try and uh, derail the conversation. So if you actually want to learn more about ETC, it's a great way to do so by hearing directly from everybody who's working on it. And then on day two, we're going to have a lot more of the finance, uh, some of the ideology and community. And that's when I'm giving my talk, my, uh, it's so when I'm moderating the panel on immutability and censorship resistance that has people from both sides. So it's going to be fun. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. So it's, so it's like a full on debate basically that's going to be going on. That does yeah. sound, that does sound yeah, awesome. We're patting everybody down beforehand. <laughs> make sure that nobody's snuck any weapon. Yeah. No, no Madden gamer reoccurrence, please. We just, uh, speaking of Seoul, Korea, we just talked with uh, James Duffy. We haven't released the episode yet, but it'll, it'll be out before this one. And he, uh, mm-hmm. he lives there and he's part of, uh, he's the Loom Network. Um, I guess he was a co-creator, I guess, of the co-founder, Loom, co-founder of the Loom Network. So they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to do like a side chain thing. So, Hey, maybe he, uh, maybe he has a ticket. Maybe he'll show up and you guys can like <laughs> high five yeah. about, about being on the show together. Um, <laughs> I want to. What's funny is I really, really, really want to go to Korea. That's like way up there on my list of things to do. It's way up there on my list of foods that I like to eat. And you know, it's like it's like Japanese food, Korean food, and then like Thai food. And I don't know why I live in the U.S. and everything I like is Asian. But yeah, it seems great. I can't wait. <laughs> Have you been before? Uh, no. Oh, I nice. am a big fan of uh, kimchi <laughs> and all the different creative ways that uh, Koreans uh, make squid. Like, hmm. oh, I'm I half Italian, and so <laughs> I love squid to begin with. And then I was open to a whole new world of all the exciting possibilities with it. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, especially the food. Yeah, I'm glad you share my love of, or like my thoughts of food being one of the primary reasons to go to a new country because that is like <laughs> people hear me talk about it. They're like, oh, yeah, you went to uh, I don't know. You went to Berlin. Did you like go to the wall? I'm like, well, I I was doing research on where the hamburger actually started in Hamburg, Germany for my next <laughs> for my next part of Berlin wall. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's great. 
Brent's definitely fun to travel with. It's, it's a whole different experience. Oh, I bet. So <laughs> the origins of the hamburger. So let so me guess I, where you stand just, on immutability oh. in the blockchain. Anti it. It's terrible. <laughs> Change Obviously. Yeah, let's just roll it back. Yeah, it's whatever's convenient right now is the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. So for the it's listeners that may not have actually checked out the Ethereum Classic episode, immutability is a primary reason why the Ethereum fork came off of Ethereum Classic. So uh, give us the kind of quick version and then give us the, I guess, the important bullet points and we'll battle back. And We're not going to battle you because we agree with you, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so uh, I actually tweeted the other day, or maybe I haven't tweeted it yet, and it's just a draft, but I was going to say that maybe the right word isn't immutability and it's irrevocability, uh, because immutability means absolutely everything is solid, and irrevocability me- kind of means you can't undo past things. Uh but to give the listeners a background, if you're not aware, in 2016, there was a major exploit in this contract called the DAO. There was about 15% of all Ethereum that existed at the time in it. So about $150 million are held in this thing. Somebody goes and takes out 30% against everybody else's understanding of how this worked. And once that happened, uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of heated arguments about whether or not it's okay to undo this. And uh, being part of the portion of Ethereum that originally thought we were essentially Bitcoin, but we had smart contracts so they could do more fancy, fun things. To me, it was just obviously you can do this because one of the core agreements that we have in any blockchain is that if you own some coins, you are the sole holder of the key to those coins. And the idea that a bunch of people could get together and vote to take away your coins or somebody else's coins, even if they've done something wrong, uh, was just the opposite of the idea of blockchain to me. And the interesting thing there, too, is that, yeah, in some cases, you can absolutely say that these people did something wrong. Uh, but what about more gray cases or what about, you know, all of a sudden you're unboxing this can of worms where you start wondering when it's OK for people to vote that you can't have access to your key. What if somebody goes on the internet and tells lies about you like it happens all the time? And essentially, that's what happened to the DAO attacker. They weren't judged in court. They weren't judged by any impartial body. They were judged by the community that got together and said, we're taking this away now. Even though, you know, you had the contract that said the DAO code supersedes the legal contract and you had this uh, touting of the idea that code once on the blockchain can only be changed by those who can't be changed to begin with and yeah is only able to be edited by whoever actually holds the keys and that's a not so great explanation but i'm trying to yeah the quick version yeah that's fine 
Yeah. It, and that's the quick version. It's still very long and involved, but the core of it, if you take nothing else away, is if you have ownership of your key to your vault that has your coins on the blockchain, nobody else should be able to get into your vault. <clears throat> if the real world wants to f- find you, arrest you, put you on trial, and then compel you to give up the keys to your vault, those are the rules of the real world. But the blockchain itself needs to stay separate from that. Yep. Yeah. My The first thing I think about is how much blockchain is going to influence governance and politics in particular. And w- what I find particularly interesting is – and the more that we're looking into it, you know, as a, as a podcast, as we, you know, collectively get together and discuss these topics is that blockchain absolutely is going to change many, many things, but there's a lot of things that blockchain just has no place in. And there's a lot of places where it's, I think it's being overused, oversold and probably it's probably too costly and, and too ineffective in, in certain fields. I just really hope that. Um, the, the people that are, you know, at this conference and that are, are discussing these topics with you, I hope they really consider that, you know, the original vision is, is so simple and it's so linear and straightforward. And I feel like the thing that drew me the most to crypto was that, that fascination of, well, what if things could be different? That fascination of, of well, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't part of the founding members of America or other parts of the world. And, and I, I had no say at, at how this whole process was built. I had, I had no say in any way. And it's just, it's really fascinating to me to see what crypto is doing to, to decide what powers have control of what topics and which ones they just are completely wasting their time on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And it's an exciting, brave new world, and I'd really love to see it get started on the right foot. So one of the arguments people are going to give or people will give and say, like, well, you know, this person would have destroyed Ethereum if we let it happen. You know, obviously, I think that that's wrong, considering that Ethereum Classic is still in existence. But where do you – the drawing of the line is is the part that is, like – the scariest of all of that. Where is the line drawn? Who gets to draw the line? Why is the line being drawn? So this particular hack, we're going to go back and fix it. But for instance, the parody multi-sig hack very recently, Ethereum did not go back and fix. So mm-hmm. they, they went, they went ahead and went back in time for this thing that directly affected many of the core group of, of Ethereum at the time. But this parody thing, they're like, eh, oh, sorry, should have done better. And and that's so one that kind of shows maybe that their thoughts on this have evolved a little bit and they've realized maybe that was that it was a mistake to do the original uh, the original rollback of the of the Dow hack. But yeah, so where do where do we draw the line? If a single person gets a million dollars stolen from them, do we like reverse that if they get uh, half a million dollars? What about one hundred dollars? Like when do we when do we stop reversing blockchains to fix mistakes? That are generally, uh, I don't want to say user error, but like, you know, they, the, you got to realize people are trying to steal from you. So, yeah, you can't, absolutely. You can't protect people from themselves, in my opinion. Like, um, my brother sent over one Bitcoin 
to a Bitcoin cash wall and, and has not, you know, found a way to undo that situation. And, you know, that's just one of many like small examples of stories that I've heard. Hmm. I feel like there that's is a way to fix that, isn't there? I'm pretty sure Bitcoin cash has taken Bitcoin's address style and just tweaked it visually. So maybe also, Michael, you're muted. Yeah, I was, I was just about to type because he was talking. I could see him talking and he's just like, wait, what? Uh, yeah, you're still still muted. Okay. While Michael's still muted, um, going back to the, the DAO issues, there were a couple things there. So first was, of course, people were in a panic that the DAO hacker had 3.6 or 3.7 million Ethereum. And they were going to dump it on exchange and it was going to tank the price and that all this bad stuff was going to happen. And a theorem was going to be completely devalued based on the evidence that ETC has not only survived, but quite much thrived this, this long. That's completely false. I can understand though why at the time you would think that, uh, and interestingly enough, what ended up happening immediately after the DAO within about a week or two was the Robinhood group secured a ton of Ethereum too. And these were the white hats that went, saved some Ethereum, kept it out of the attacker's hands and intended to give it back. Of course, they also had the equivalent amount of ETC and they dumped about a million ETC on exchange on Poloniex and Kraken inside of about a week. The oh. DAO attacker to date has dumped less than 300,000 Ethereum across the whole two years. And I don't actually believe a lot of that ever made it to exchange. I think a lot of it just made it to other little accounts and never ended up being sold uh, because... Not surprisingly, when you have potentially illicit goods, it's very difficult to sell them. So ETC actually not only had the million ETC dumped uh, then and then bought back, but it completely tanked the price. And not only had that, but it had sustained dumping of ETC for nearly an entire year after the Dow attack because people got very emotional and wanted to destroy etc uh which i couldn't understand that reaction at all but it's what happened so long term actually uh that dumping has made etc stronger because when you go and on chain effects just edit it and i love it and i hate talking about price but i'm going to right here because it's a really good example is on-chain FX added a multiplier for if you bought the all-time high of a coin, how far down are you? Uh, like, how many times does your coin's value need to double in order to get break back even. just to the all-time high and break <laughs> even? Yeah. Uh, and for ETC, it's like right below Bitcoin. We're really, really close. And a lot of that is actually because... Many of ETC's coins are actually free flowing, are actually available for people to buy. Much like ICOs lock up 50%, ETC doesn't have that. And I think long term, selling cryptocurrencies and using them, and even if the use is just trading them on exchange, is a, it, it's a good thing. That's what we want our cryptocurrencies to do. So, 
an unintentional good, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, that's I did not realize I didn't even think about the fact that that hacker group was able to like grab the grab the extras and just get rid of it like they didn't care about it. So that's even though they were doing like the right thing for for Ethereum and trying to stop that, they were not doing the right thing for Ethereum Classic. So that that isn't even something that I considered and definitely didn't make it into our episode. That's such a good point. Um so yeah. random question that uh somebody totally brought up in the Discord that wasn't you. Why do you support evil bad hackers? <laughs> that was also me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't support e- evil bad hackers. I think that what the DAO attacker did was absolutely wrong. Whether it was legal or illegal is another question for people outside of myself to answer. Uh, Nobody within the Ethereum community or ETC in general really should be answering that question. Uh, Ultimately, uh, if, if it's that's something to leave to courts and judges and to not so much that we should just appeal to a specific authority, but it's more just because that's the best option we have. If we want to treat this as a crime, the option of letting the community decide what happens um, is just not a very good option. It's going to be very, very obviously biased and very, very obviously gloss over a lot of facts of the case. Yeah, that makes I'm gonna, my sense. mic working now. Am I good? Yes, yep. you're back. Welcome right. back, Mike. Sorry about uh, losing you there. <laughs> it looked like oh, you no, unplugged. I, I was listening. Okay. No, I, I I leaned in and I like I knocked my cord out like a dummy. So fun, uh, fun crypto basic an- an- anecdote. The reason Mike knew that so quickly is because one one day we had the same problem, and he's typing in the chat. He's like, I don't know what it's saying. My mic is disconnected, and we're going through like the different tech support options, and then eventually he's like, Oh shit. Okay, my mic is actually just disconnected, and he puts it back on the directly bottom. in front of me. It's like actually disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hidden keyboard one time, making my computer unusable. I, I'm a hot mess when it comes to technology. Understandable. Um, and now Brent's camera has gone all artifacty for me. Is artifact? That- no, I'm good. But okay. Brent, Brent's good. internet's usually pretty sketch. Got yeah, it. we got Comcast up in here, so. <laughs> It would, <laughs> you know, we've. What's that like? Three hundred a month? I I don't even know. I it's a lot. It, I'm sure. I was, I was, uh, I was using my phone for internet while I was in Gainesville, and that was I I, I was paying twenty five dollars a month on T Mobile, and I was using it as primary internet, and it was as good or better than Comcast. So, wow, uh, is crazy. It's brutal. Um. All right. So so that's the immutability part of this of this kind of this panel, and and what's interesting to me is the. The argument against is so like completely subjective that it's really difficult to be like kind of proven right that no, no, like sometimes, you know, mutability, we need to like rethink that and maybe like change some things about that. So, but like you said, maybe immutability would be the wrong word. Maybe there are things that you should be able to get rid of on the blockchain, like a, like if you wanted to delete a post on a social network or something that was your post that was posted from your private keys, if there were a, a social network on a blockchain somewhere, maybe you should have the ability to get rid of that. 
um, but nobody else should. So now we're kind of moving into right into censorship. So that's the second part. So what what was the kind of overarching thought that brought censorship to mind when you were thinking what can I what should I be talking about it with the crypto basic guys? Well, it's because they're so closely related. Those two concepts, right? So really, when we talk about immutability, like you kind of mentioned, it's not that nothing can ever be changed, but it's just that we can change pre-existing rules. Uh, if we have a core rule that affects how the blockchain works and is going to change something, then we can't do that uh, uh, in a material way. So not in an upgrade way, but in a way that actually invalidates somebody's transaction for whatever it is they did. And that is a form of censorship. You know, mm-hmm. the DAO attacker could very well be a very bad person. And, you know, that's how do I want to say this? It's not that it's wrong to punish somebody for doing something bad. It's that it's wrong to just go as a mob and say, we're going to censor this person. And sorry, Mike, did you oh, have I, I was, I was trying to work my way in it in case you were trying to buy some time there. But um, one of my thoughts on what you're saying is that essentially what the Ethereum community decided was that they were qualified to play good versus evil. And that's the problem that I have is that it's just not the time or the place for people that are extremely involved in something to be the judge and jury on what the outcomes are if in, in some sort of criminal fashion. I, you know, part of what, you know, makes me support the immutability factor is just that people are responsible for their actions. And sometimes those actions come with consequences. And, you know, we, we tell stories about ourselves all the time on the show where we mess up, we make mistakes, we, we own up to it. It's, you know, unfortunate. That's something that like is getting lost. I feel like in life a lot where, you know, blockchain is in a lot of ways, the concept, the concept is infinite. The concept is solidified. The concept is whole and people that like, want to be in charge of that decision-making process, it really just feels flawed to me. And it just feels like they need to really reconsider what their goals are. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they really need to reevaluate that. I think we're actually seeing that happen with parity too. Mm-hmm. Though the stakes are a little different, the stakeholder being affected is mostly... Well, it's not just mostly, but a very large portion of that Ethereum belongs to Polkadot. Uh, on the parity technology side, I love parity tech. They make such great software that I use all the time. So it actually really like hurts to see them get hurt. Uh, and I sympathize with that. And maybe I'm getting a little off topic here, but they've essentially experienced a form of censorship too. You know, somebody went in. And did something that they never intended, and now they're not able to get to their funds. That's unfair, too. Both of these things are unfair. It's unfair that the people in the DAO attack lost their funds, and it's unfair that the people in the parity attack lost theirs. I still think Ethereum eventually is going to fork to refund it. Uh, That makes the most sense. It's a much simpler case than the DAO attack because you're not actually talking to taking it from a person. You're literally just right. Like they're just locked so that. Yeah. 
So it's a lot simpler there. And it just illustrates the point, though, and the issue with censorship is that not all censorship is created equal. You know, I'm pretty sure the amount of Ethereum, don't quote me on this, at least in dollars locked up right now is way higher than it was in dollars during the Dow attack. So why is that censorship so slow to be resolved but the censorship in invalidating, you know, the balances at 106 addresses so quick. And another thing about the DAO attack that happened that nobody really mentions or talks about is the censorship itself, the reversing the transactions, affected 106 addresses, not just the DAO attacker's addresses. If you were a technically skilled person, and you wanted to do this, not the same thing the DAO attacker did, but create a child DAO is what they were called, where you would take your DAO tokens and move them into a contract that solely you controlled or solely you and people you knew controlled. You'd be safe. No, the DAO attacker could never take your coins. And there were about six to seven million dollars worth of them at the time. And what happened for those people who were doing everything by the book, who absolutely did not break any laws because they were just using the contract how everybody intended, they got their Ethereum taken away too. And they had their Ethereum held by a group of trustees who were then going to uh, decide themselves which of them within those other child DAOs were the DAO attacker and which weren't. So there were provably completely innocent people who were also censored in that in that uh, attempt. So I just like that's the problem with censorship is censorship isn't bad because you're stopping people from saying things, which it is bad because of that. But the real reason censorship is bad is because you're selective and when you're stopping people from saying and doing things. Right. The moment you're being selective about who can and can't do these things is when it's is why censorship is so bad. It's drawing the line like Brent said. To illustrate that point, let's say blockchain existed in I don't know 1880 and we and we're like way into technology with the way people thought back then. And we started to we, – we realized that like a bunch of slaves had gotten a hold of some cryptocurrency. And we at the time think that – no, it's just like I, – actually, I went too late. Slaves were before 1880. But, but like what, what – we're still in slavery. Yeah. We still think slavery is a cool thing. We find out slaves get, <clears throat> get a hold of some of our cryptocurrency and we're like, nah, nah, nah. We're, well, they're not allowed to make money. So what we're going to do is we're just going to roll that back and take it away from them. Because we know that morally, slaves aren't allowed to own own money. So, duh, this is the right thing. So you evolve your – even the the people who would possibly be making those decisions are going to evolve how they would have made those decisions going forward in life. And then they might look back and be like, wow, we really made a mistake. If you had presented this situation with the DAO attack to me in a vacuum where I knew – where I was just learning about the difference between the two and I didn't know which one was which – and you told me which one do you think ended up being the primary one, I would have lost a huge bet on Ethereum Classic being the the real Ethereum. <laughs> Not that I want to go all uh, Bitcoin Cash on us here, but the, I would have been like, no, it's obviously this chain is the mm-hmm. one that 
did the right thing. So they're the real one, right? No, nope, turns out that's not it. So, but I think that hopefully that, that things have uh, evolved a little bit. And one of the, also the things that I get out of that disagreement is that Charles and Vitalik are still very civil and have respect for each other despite a massive disagreement, which is nice to see. Yeah, they're fairly civil. I think in general, uh, Ethereum, when it started, we were all pretty civil, even though things got hot and needed. And everybody says things that they wish they, you know, didn't say. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's really good to just see these communities still interacting because I always tell people to, like, I'm a blockchain fundamentalist first. You know, I don't necessarily put any particular blockchain ahead of others it's really that it's important that we stick to the fundamentals because those are the things that blockchain gives us and if we get away from that then we just kind of lose the entire purpose of this whole thing and to your point brent when you said that if people explained it to you in a vacuum you would have chosen the etc side and thought it would have won or won whatever winning <laughs> means um when you encounter when i personally encounter new people uh a lot of them actually agree with etc's decision to not refund the dow attacks so newcomers to the space often identify with the etc side and what you actually saw at first for the first six months or so was the message coming out was you know etc supports the hacker yeah etc is immutable but it's bad and that type of thing and now the talking point is generally oh yeah etc is immutable but nothing's really immutable and ethereum has more developers so come over here so, and that's actually a lot more effective when it comes to newcomers to the space because they go, well, that's where everybody's working, you know, still kind of ignoring the fact that, like I said before, to build a solid blockchain, you need a few million dollars, not an endless su- supply <laughs> and influx of, uh, you know, people developing. Well, you know what? I and think you're wrong because EOS had four or EOS had four billion dollars and theirs still doesn't work right. So I think well, you might need more money, money than you think. Will destroy you. <laughs> Having too much money is just bad for you. You waste it and it be it I think it just becomes a burden. Like it's just an unimaginable amount of resources that you could never properly allocate. More money, more problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it, speaking of, this is actually directly related to EOS, unfortunately. They have, like, a judge-jury system built into their their constitution that's in all of their things. Like, this is exactly what we're talking about shouldn't be part of cryptocurrency, yeah. and it's, like, one of their core values. So it's, it's very strange to watch what was going on I with think that. it's I think it's great to see that because... That's the natural outcome of any sort of active governance of blockchains. You know, once you're getting down to governing how things work at the transaction level, you're going to progress to that. You see that in every single government that anybody's ever put together. Yeah, now EOS is emailing signed PDFs and signed PDFs back and forth to each other. They did a fax! And it doesn't work at all. Yeah, they had a fax machine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fax isn't dead. Well, they couldn't. Uh, what was it? They couldn't update. Or they couldn't. They couldn't do something because they were waiting on a fax, and the fax ended up taking like hours. So they had delay like some major like. No, like, they, there was like a possible attacker or something, and I, if I understand it right, I, this is a while ago. I don't remember. Oh yeah, but they <laughs> sent a fax with the addresses on it. So not only did they send a fax, like who even has faxes, but it was a fax where they now have to hand put in one of these ridiculous addresses where <laughs> we're always like scan the QR code or copy it. Never do it by hand. And there's, <laughs> hey, guys, here, block producers, do this. It's fine. Anyway. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> EOS has other problems beyond that, too. A lot of at a technical level that led to... A lot of the network halting, so it's not solely governance. It's also very poorly written code. Yes. So good job, ES. Uh, that's Stan Larimer's third project, by the way. You should look into the other two if you're thinking about going with ES. Yeah. The um, Steam, it's a hot mess. I, I really thought Steam, it was like cool. Like if you listen to our Steam episode, we were kind of like cool with steam it right because we used it we're like man this is a usable product this is really cool but now that i've actually tried to like post stuff on steam it or try to get involved in the community it's significantly worse than a twitter or um even like a google plus like you're only interacting with people for the sole purpose of upvoting each other like hey i'll comment comment back and upvote me and it's a lot of like gamification and a lot of like different people that get together and all upvote the same post it's very very odd so i think it i think that it didn't work out the way it was supposed to and he left the project so it's not like he can i think he left i don't think he has any active uh active role on it so yeah i think he he left steam and he left bit shares so bit shares seems that's part of his plan you know help launch the blockchain and then then leave but i don't know I think it's fine to help launch a blockchain and then leave. But when you're leaving with bags full of money (laughs) and when you're leaving the project in, at least in the case of BitShares, a very poor state, uh, then then that's not a good time to be leaving your project. And and then to run this like 12 month ICO with like a never ending calendar of collecting money and like the whole thing is... It's unfortunate. Way less exciting than I once was. Well, like like Charles said when somebody asked him about it, like right before EOS went live, he's like, "I hope they succeed because they raised way too much money to watch him fail." <laughs> Clearly, he didn't think yeah. they were going to, but he was. You know, we all were. We were all pulling for him despite the red flags. So it's. Uh, I mean, it's not like they failed yet, but they're just. You know, mm. and there's red flags <laughs> and steam and bit shares aren't even any sort of decentralized uh, blockchain. They're just right. things that adopted the name. Mm-hmm. Yep, the decentralization. That's why we finally added to like our 101s in the, the rapid fire part. We finally added is it decentralized because we realized we were talking about a lot of projects that were not. And it was important to mention that. And which is fine. You can look at a centralized project as long as you know that that's what you're looking into and it feels like something you might want to invest in. Just know that you're not investing it like the core values of what started bitcoin and therefore other cryptocurrencies yeah that's fine i mean i use centralized financial projects every single day of my life yeah yeah like if you uh, want to invest in ripple nice great. And convenient. ripple may be a better paypal but <laughs> but it's not a better bitcoin that's for oh, damn sure interesting so uh 
Yeah. So speaking of us, uh, all right. So we haven't. Good. Good. I think were you? You might be about to ask what I was just about to ask. So Mike texted we'll me before out. we started. He's like, "Hey, I want to see what Anthony's thoughts are on Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash, and or Craig Wright versus Bitcoin Cash currently." So since we just mentioned a little bit about Bitcoin <clears throat> and it's got some parallels, but not obviously even close to the same thing as what happened with Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. Do you have a position on not necessarily which one's better, but just like what's going on there? Um, for recent history, I know of it. I don't know too, too much for the origin of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Um, personally, I was actually on the side of having Segwit2x. But it wasn't for technical reasons. Obviously, you just need SegWit for Bitcoin. The thing that SegWit2x would have given you is uh, politically disempowering that descent and adding essentially, you know, you're kind of getting four to five megish blocks out of it, which is a little big, uh, especially immediately. I think it would have been great to, you know, say, well, go here. And what we're going to do is we'll implement segwit and then actually do the larger block size you know maybe six months or a year down the line at least if you know if it warrants it um so i think so obviously me i'm on the bitcoin side uh i would much rather have uh bitcoin with segwit than uh bitcoin cash and I don't know. It's a it's a tough situation because not everybody is super technical and super well informed, and that's not their fault. And it's really easy in all the noise of this space to be misled. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that I've been trying to bring to people's attention more is the fact that you know hidden marketing exists within blockchain and it's bad and it's a major problem yes when you see these icos that suddenly one day nobody talked about and the next day everybody's asking the same basic questions about it in a forum those are paid people like it took a for something like that it's and not to say whether it happened with bitcoin or bitcoin cash but just the way that it's so easy to be misled on the internet because there's so much information. And if you don't have that technical background, you're pretty much lost to listening to whoever you think is more honest. Uh, so, yeah, I don't particularly like the Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash situation. And I don't like the way that uh, regular members of the community were treated. I think there's a lot of people who were just simply misled and to label them as stupid or able to give in to you know bad people is just it's wrong yeah um but yeah those are my feelings here's what i'll say the first time i heard roger Ver talk i thought he was very charismatic uh he it wasn't a absolutely it wasn't one of those interviews where he <clears throat> goes all like you know, Roger on him and start saying stuff like I'm richer than you. So I'm right. I saw that stuff later, but he is very capable of providing a very charismatic and good interview. So I could see during the, during the infighting, like you could have ended up supporting him and going with bit and deciding Bitcoin cash is, was better and then missed a lot of like the other things. So 
What I what I respect about Absolutely. Ethereum Classic and Ethereum communities are nobody's trying to pretend Ethereum Classic is what is now the moniker of Ethereum, even though it is. Like it is literally the original, and they're still not going around saying, "Nah, we're the real one. It's us. We're, we're the real one. We have." The- well, there's a lot of people in the community that believe that, but we don't like rub it in. We're over. We're over that point. Yeah, winning that argument. What does it accomplish? Like, let's it- pretend. Let's pretend that you get the entire world to call you like. Yeah. Ethereum original or just Ethereum and they're Ethereum 2.0. Like, wh- what do you win in that battle? I feel like you don't win anything. Yeah. The, during the fork, I could see it being a real battle, but <laughs> the, um, yeah, you don't win anything. It's yeah. not worth it. They're, they're uh, different projects. They have different pros and cons. And that's the, that's exactly the same with Bitcoin Cash. When think about like in January or December, Bitcoin Cash was significantly better to use during the, the massive bull run. It was $50 to send Bitcoin to somebody. And mm-hmm. it was, why that my my big argument has always been why can't they just even say like we're better than bitcoin like if they even that was their marketing strategy then i might even be on board with that i might be willing to look at them as a project that i'm interested in like okay cool i like to see that these two are competing with each other not competing to be the actual bitcoin that's the that's the that's the issue that i have with with that going on so despite any thought that bitcoin cash might be better I don't ever see myself like kind of investing in Bitcoin Cash because, and, and I hate the, like, I hate the infighting on the, uh, the fighting on the other side. Like Bitcoin is not, uh, you know, innocent in what they're doing and trying to mislead people in like our Bitcoin and that kind of thing. But, but the fact that Roger is literally just out there pretending Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin is brutal. Yeah. And it, it can't be Bitcoin if you make an incompatible fork and, yeah, you and people are still using the fork, like, yeah. or are you still using the the pre fork? It's just it doesn't make any sense yep. to say it's the original. You could say it's improved upon the original, like you said, and I one hundred percent agree. But you, I don't, and I don't even, I wouldn't say that that's right. I wouldn't say larger blocks are an improvement in and of themselves. Um, but yeah, yeah, larger blocks improve the user experience on. Like during the now, it may not have been better for the network mm-hmm. overall. So you that's the Yeah, short term they improve the user experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the issues overall is that the the people that are the loudest tend to have the most influential voice. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of these particular characters, it's not even so much what they're saying. It's as Brent was mentioning, it's how they're saying it, it's the volume which they're speaking, it's the authority at which they they say a, their statements that even though like I can tell a lot of things coming out of certain people's mouths are not very accurate or believable. Like part of me wants to consider, well, as a skeptic, like maybe he's right. Maybe there's some truth to this or, you know, maybe I'm wrong. It's, it's hard to not kind of fall for it a little bit, but, um, and that's why like I've had kind of mixed feelings on, on Vitalik, like lashing out to a lot of different um, people at conferences or, or now he's kind of getting involved with, um, with Hoskinson a little bit and, and I have mixed feelings on it and, and I'm really hopeful that he takes a more mature route in the future because I don't want him to become somebody in the space that, that becomes a God in his own mind. And it becomes this like out of control thing five years from now, 10 years from now. I I just would rather avoid that if possible. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've met Vitalik before. I don't think that's actually in his personality. I was hoping you had an answer like that, honestly. <laughs> his burns are particularly really, good. 
I mean, because they're that's coming the scary part. Like they're they're so good sometimes that like like I know sometimes with sick and twisted humor or like real aggressive humor, like it takes a real like skill to that. There's like a real intensity required to go to those levels sometimes. So yeah, it makes me a little nervous. Yeah, but on the other hand, watching him make fun of Craig Wright is really just the best. So speaking of Craig Wright, I we just <laughs> yeah, talked about this I on mean, the flagship. I fully endorse Vitalik shit talking Craig. <laughs> Did you see the, the coding I, thing that he did? I, I, the Hello World thing? Oh, yeah. That was super recent, right? <laughs> yeah, it just happened yeah. like two days ago. Or copy-paste or something? Yeah. That was that was amazing. We I was careful. I, I was careful not to use Craig's name and what I was saying because, like, I actually definitely am okay with that. I enjoy that. It's a completely different thing. But, you know, I just wanted – I just feel like I, I was hoping you had had enough interaction with him that you might have an opinion on it, and I'm glad you did. yeah. I mean, I haven't had too much interaction with him, but I don't think he's... Uh, is it greater than zero? Like that. What? Are, is it greater than zero? Yeah, it's greater than zero. <laughs> the most qualified person I've ever asked. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, so well, we'll circle back to kind of the topic at hand. Um, one of the other things about censorship, specifically as far as like, you know, what you can say and what you can do, uh, we've, we've made a very big point of saying that while we will disagree vehemently with a lot of the things that people say or what they do, we don't believe that they should be censored. Sounds like you kind of uh, agree with that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to, you know, go, on the other side of things, um, is there any, pr- like, is there any pro that we can agree with on, on either like on the sense, like what is censorship? Like, is there any, anything that we can say that, you know what, I can kind of see your point here. And I wish only that piece were taken into side B. Like, I, I'm kind of like literally just making that up off the top of my head. So yeah. it's not like I have an answer, but. Yeah, censorship makes your life a hundred times easier. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a good it's point. If you just, can shut everybody up that disagrees with you or um, change everything you don't agree with. Yeah, if you could just fix things to whatever your image is, then that tends to, in the short term, make your life easier. Long term, it, it makes things a lot harder it's just a you know it's a shortcut you know what i just had this little little thought in my head if you are you know you always think that you know best like like we Mm -hmm. once you've done your research you'll come to your own conclusion you'll say okay i'm right about this probably and if you could make the rest of the world do exactly like you think you would think that you're doing the right thing and that you're making the rest of the world a better place so oftentimes people who are censoring believe they're doing it for the right reasons the the Bitcoin mods on our Bitcoin think that the getting rid of anything that's not Bitcoin is good because that's their kind of worldview. So I think it just takes like a certain <laughs> type of person to realize that it's very possible your worldview is wrong and that you need to expand your mind a little bit and change it. Or a group of people. Yeah, it's possible that it's wrong, but yeah, everybody would be their own best dictator. Yep, that's a good point. <laughs> even then you know i don't always make right decisions for myself how am i gonna make right decisions for everybody else too yeah i constantly make wrong decisions for myself so i know how bad a dictator i would be but still (laughs) would snap at the opportunity to do it (laughs) yeah it would be fun for me the rest of you guys could just enjoy the ride (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right well i that's about that's about an hour i that's been an awesome talk i is your panel going to be on the live stream uh yeah it'll be on the live stream Everything on the main stage is going to be on the live stream, and we had so much demand and interest from developers that we're going to 
have a breakout room that has developer talks too on uh, day two. But there, it's not going to be live streamed officially. Probably somebody's going to be recording it though with the Periscope or something. Yeah, exactly. That's just because it got edited later, unfortunately. Speaking of Periscope, is that where it's going to be streamed to or a different service? No, I don't like Periscope at all. Uh, (laughs) The main talk's going to be live streamed on YouTube. I don't know about the side talk on day two yet. And when. That's September 13th. That's a Thursday. I'm seeing here. Yeah, 12th and 13th. 12th and 13th. So Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. On Korea time, what time is your panel supposed to begin for the, if the listeners want to tune in and check that out? Let's see. What is it? It's around like 3 p.m. Uh, Korea time, which is like 4 a.m. Uh, Eastern oh, no. time. So, so that'll be for our international morning, listeners. It's also going to be recorded. So you can just watch it whenever. You know, live stream is more of a misnomer for a lot of people listening in this case. Yeah. So if you're one of our international listeners, you'll you you've heard that it's 3 p.m. Korea time. One of our U.S. listeners, Something unless like you're DGENs like us and you're up at 4 a.m., still up at 4 a.m. That's usually when <laughs> yeah, I see I'm more 4 likely to, I'm more likely to not be in bed yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of the poker yeah, it lifestyle. Should be at 2:30 a.m. 2:30 a.m. All right. I I would say I've been up at 2:30 a.m. nearly 100 percent of the year so far. So. <laughs> That's okay, perfect. It, it's possible. I'll pop in there. Yeah, but then you could start an eight hour live stream of a conference. Yeah, I don't know if I That's, got that marathon in me. It's a little bit of a commitment. <laughs> but uh afterwards we will make a point to tweet out the link to the uh to the recorded video. So anything else you want to awesome, leave us with? You. Any uh exclusive announcements? No, I think we're good. There's <laughs> gonna be a lot of announcements from developers though at the summit. So oh. that part I'm particularly excited for. Yes, we just got an official announcement of announcements on the Crypto Basic Podcast. Oh yes. crap. I didn't, yes. I didn't <laughs> hear announcements of announcements. Yes, you, <laughs> we tricked him you tricked him into that. He, <laughs> uh, on, last time when he was with here with Kareem, he talked about how much he hated Tron too. And <laughs> now you you suckered him right into it. It tricked me. I realized <laughs> that I was walking into that type of thing. Hey, he he is a tricksy little <laughs> hobbit. Okay, you got to keep an eye on Brett. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, check well, out. Thank you, Anthony. It was really awesome having you on. We really appreciate it. Your time is very valuable, and, and the ability to let us pick your brain is something we really appreciate. Right. No, thanks for having me. My time's less valuable than than you think it is. <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy to be on anytime you want. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again. That awesome. So for the Crypto Basic Podcast, none of us have been financial advisors. I'm Brent Philbin. I've been here with co-host Michael Lockie and special guest Anthony Lusardi. Check us out on all of our different platforms. Join the Discord. Anthony actually makes appearances in there now and then, so you might actually be able to ask some one-on-one questions if you want. And, what? He lurks all the time. And <laughs> otherwise, none of us are financial advisors. None of us are qualified to talk about price. We All investments have inherent risk. Please do your own research. And keep supporting evil hackers. <laughs> <laughs>